Welcome back to Paradigm Run. I'm your host, Mark Barrios. In today's episode, you're going to see Vern's initial confrontation with the shadow, wherein Psyche sent forth dreams for Vern to finally confront the depth of his dark side. The shadow, that dark side we each possess, shadiness, manipulative sides, aggression, rage, anger, wild sexuality. A lot of people see it as nothing but bad. And although we do have to watch those shadow traits we each possess, the shadow also possesses a unique gold, signature to only the shadow. And that is one's vitality for life one's ability to both accept and endure all that life throws at us. So here's episode 15, Innately Dark. I hope you enjoy. Vern, now a 34-year-old man in Central Florida, redirected his regressive libido and pushed forward. He continued his work and his writing, and he knew transformation was upon him. He still had not the slightest idea of what the new chapter could be. But his personal mother complex, as well as his attachment to the unconscious, the eternal mother, had come unhinged. He was aware Something new was to come. When Vern was still traversing his negative mother complex, he also had unique dreams he couldn't pinpoint. Their unique darkness added much confusion. But once the mother complex and the clinging to the symbolic mother disbanded, the ambiguous dreams of darkness, which continued, could be seen on their own. Vern innately knew their depth must be understood to remain conscious throughout the path. And one evening, Vern dreamt the following two dreams. I was standing in a room, and a woman with beautiful, long, flowing, dark hair opens the door and says to me, It's time. At that moment, a man handed me a pistol. I took it by the grip, raised it slowly, and pointed it toward my mouth. The next. I saw a detective holding a black duffel bag, and I knew there was a dead criminal's body in it. He wanted to know if I could identify the man for him. The detective begins to unzip the bag as I am standing in front, looking at it. As he unzips it, I see the dead man's eyes inside begin to slowly open. Vern began to work with these dreams. From the first, he knew this was an anima figure revealing some psychological mechanism was operating within, which needed to symbolically be put to death by none other than his own doing. But the second was elusive to Vern at first. Vern couldn't see it yet, 
but the detective in the dream is providing Vern a clue. He is attempting to see if Vern can identify the seemingly dead criminal, a personification of the shadow archetype, which currently has no life within Vern's consciousness. Vern knew the dead criminal's eyes beginning to open was a symbol, indicating his shadow, the dark side which lives within each of us, was coming to life and asking for integration. These two dreams were just the beginning, wherein the unconscious is requesting Vern to understand and integrate the darkness of the shadow into his very own life. Vern had worked greatly with his shadow and its integration from previous dream imagery, but Vern felt this new appearance of the shadow was from a different place, a deeper territory of darkness. These shadow dreams were atypical to Vern's experience thus far, and more innately dark. But the nature of such dreams reveals something which lives within us all, though most prefer to deny. Vern continued for several days looking inward, asking himself what the psychological mechanism was that needed to end to die, and what exactly this new dark figure within him was. The symbolic nature of dreams became increasingly elusive to Vern for the next several weeks. Vern had a series of dreams, which he recorded. I saw an image of a dark beast. He had circular horns like that of a ram on each side of his head, and he was sitting in a chair. The image appeared to look like one found on a tarot card, not like the minotaur beast, rather the devil. The next. I walked into an outdoor store and picked out numerous supplies. I picked out several new handguns as well as huge hooks, which I knew were to catch something extremely aggressive. The next. I heard a voice come through and say, It's buried in your weakness. The fourth dream. I heard someone say, it's in the root of the grass, in the root of being. The next. Someone said to me, you might need to go buy a bigger net. The next. I saw blood drip into a man's eye. I knew he had been infected with something. In the last dream of the series, I saw mechanics standing around as if they were ready to work. From these, Vern knew there was a great darkness in his depths. The devil archetype himself had appeared as Vern's shadow, and the guiding function of dreams informed him it was something extremely aggressive, buried in the root of his being, and would require weaponry and huge hooks to catch. The larger net motif communicated that Vern was not catching on, and needed to use a larger net to look further outside of his current scope to catch the psychological contents. But Vern also knew this content was connected to his masculinity, which was infected with something. But what have I been infected with? Vern asked himself. He had seen mechanics in previous dreams quite often. As a dream pattern, Vern correlated these two inner psychological operations which repair and replace. 
They are one personification of the self-regulating aspect of one's personality and one's own psyche. And here were Verne's, ready to work. Yet such operating functions need our consciousness of the contents or issues first, hence the mechanic standing around, waiting to work. Verne was nowhere near prepared for this endeavor. He could not begin to fathom how to identify such a darkness in himself, let alone how then to catch it, and what in God's name must be done with such a dark content, once it was in his consciousness. Vern feared what may be living within him, but as he could not discern the imagery, the unconscious took notice and began a different approach. Vern then dreamt the following. I saw the girl Maggie from the television show The Walking Dead. It's intriguing to see Psyche work with the times. It is not uncommon for characters in movies or television shows to be personified by figures of the inner world, and that is archetypes. One can think of the characters they see within dreams as modern-day interpretations of mythological figures in the Greek dramas or similar. Vern watched a few seasons of this show when it first came out, but all he could extract from this dream was the presence of a heroic, dark, independent feminine figure an aspect of Vern's own personality, which he hardly knew. Another dream then came. A man was talking. I then heard him say, Do you know the witch from the movies? I'm sexually attracted to her. Although Vern could see his dark shadow coming to life, was sexually attracted to the witch, he was slightly frightened to hear such a thing. Vern woke believing he had to stay clear of this witch. He believed she was somehow connected to the devouring nature of the unconscious and saw her as nothing but evil. Vern then dreamt the following two dreams. I saw Nick from the television show New Girl. He was lying in bed. He just had sex with Jess, but I watched his eyes light up and he said, Oh no, what about Reagan? as if he had forgotten all about her. The next. A beautiful woman mentioned she wanted an open relationship with me. Another glimpse of the unconscious moving with the times. Vern had recently decided to add a lighthearted comedy to his routine due to the intensity of recent dreams in his work, and a friend had recommended the television show, New Girl. With this new material, the unconscious used the character Nick as a shadow for Vern, a fitting image considering both Nick and Vern were aspiring writers. Vern previously had other dreams of the character Jessica Day, and he knew from them Jess had been personified as Vern's anima. In the television show, Nick had dated both Jess and Reagan, and Vern pondered the nature of these two now appearing within his dreams. Vern noted that Jess was beautiful, lively, and tenderhearted whereas Reagan was beautiful, sexy, dark, solitary, and mysterious. Vern saw his shadow, Nick, in union with Jess, personifying the light component of his anima. But Vern likened the Reagan figure to the witch, deciding he needed to stay clear of her. But little did Vern see, Reagan was a personification of Vern's anima as well, but it was in her dark form. 
and the dream of the beautiful woman saying she wanted an open relationship seemed to have slipped right past Fern. But past dreams have the ability to linger for the appropriate moment. Vern continued dreaming. I saw my friend James's dog, Chloe. She was walking towards me with a limp. Vern and James were once roommates, and Chloe was James's actual female dog. Chloe and Poppy were once great friends, and Vern was quite fond of Chloe. This image was sad to Vern. Vern noticed a feminine figure within him was hurt. He knew he had to identify the reason and Vern then had the following dreams the next night. I dreamt of Cece from New Girl. She said, Did I really think he was going to make me a manager? Vern awoke in the middle of the night and recorded the dream. He saw Cece as another dark feminine form, similar to Reagan, although a bit livelier. As Cece had just become a bar manager for Nick in the episode of New Girl Vern had recently watched, Vern, in the middle of the night, asked within to this feminine figure, Am I supposed to make you a manager? He then drifted off to sleep, and another dream came forth. I saw Reagan again. She was walking the interior of my house and looking around with interest. She then said, I like this house. I'd like to move in. Verna woke for the day and thought of the episode when Reagan moved into the loft, intrigued at the unconscious's use of daytime imagery. Vern made a soothing cup of black coffee, and as he sat recording his dreams at the computer, Vern's jaw dropped as it finally dawned to him. Vern began to talk within. Holy shit. These are personifications of the dark feminine who must be known and integrated. You want a place within me just as the dark masculine shadow does. I've been fighting these dark feminine figures in my dreams, thinking you were something negative that must be avoided. But just as the light has its place, so too the dark needs its. This is the other side of the anima, and I have only known you, my soul, in your light element. But this is your dark element, and this is what you meant by the desire for an open relationship. You want me to accept your darker side as well not only your light. It is the truth of Shakti and her untamed chaotic energy. The dark feminine is raw sexuality, fucking deep intuitive witch-like capability, yet with a gentleness and understanding mother nature. And this is your dark component, which you want me to integrate into my life. You are the dark goddesses of myth I have read about. Kali, Persephone, Inanna, Ishtar, Lilith, and Hecate. You need a place in this life as well. You have an entire dimension within me to manage. I have read your stories and myths. You are the bringers of change and transformation, the all-pervading feminine dark energy which brings forth destruction for the purpose of rebirth. You, dark feminine goddesses, are the archetypes which do not give a flying fuck about our fears. You are the ones who bring us face to face with our own terrors, fears, and darkness, so that we may overcome them for the sake of truth. What in the hell are you going to show me? I am sorry it took me so long to see this, but I can see now. I welcome you into my house with open arms, and I trust 
in whatever it is you wish to bring to my awareness. Vern sat with this, knowing he was on the precipice of transformation. Vern drifted to sleep later this evening and dreamt. I saw a beautiful woman sitting content on a red chair inside of my house. This chair was a modern-day rendition of an old red throne. Vern awoke smiling. He knew his inner world received his words. As so, the anima figure took her seat in a throne within Vern's being, wherein she could have a rightful place to continue her guiding nature in both her light and dark element. As the feminine form began to integrate within Vern, a specific archetype began to emerge. Vern then dreamt. I am at a concert where a fight broke out. I run to it, and I see two women are fighting. I thought they were guys at first, but they are very large women. One looked as if she was seven feet tall with broad shoulders. The other was smaller and younger, but still very tall. A third large woman then ran in. She was older with gray hair and she had a beard. The fight then stopped with the appearance of the older woman, and the scene then cut. I now see the three women are sitting together by the water, enjoying each other's company. I walked up to them and asked, What happened? You guys are okay now? Vern was not sure of this dream, but it would enter his consciousness soon. Another came shortly thereafter. I saw a girl in a dress who I was dating. She looked at me and asked, Do you know if my two friends can come with us yet? I was taken aback by the question. Vern awoke and something resonated within. After his shower, coffee, and transcribing of his dreams, Vern went to researching to discover what these two dreams revealed within his psyche. And this was the triple goddess, a very old archetypal image. The triple goddess motif has been known among various cultures, especially ancient Greece and it appears in evolved form throughout time in cultural images. She is known by many names such as the Fates, the Clothes, the Spinstresses, the Morai. But more commonly, she is known as Persephone, Demeter, and Hecate, and specifically their union. They are referred to as Maid, Mother, and Crone, and Persephone can be thought of as man's anima. Demeter as the Great Mother, and Hecate as the Old Crone, or Witch, Hideous Damsel, or Dark Goddess. This very evening, Vern dreamt. I asked Fiona if she would like to eat breakfast with me, but she said, I have to take my three dogs out. She leashed them up and then walked out. Vern had another dream. I saw a lady walking black dogs on the road in front of my house. Vern awoke and went to work with these dreams and those of the previous week. As he read more on the triple goddess and the myth of Persephone, Demeter, and Hecate, Vern found that Hecate was always associated with black dogs, and often three. Vern was familiar with the myth of Cerberus, the three-headed dog from hell, wondering if there was a connection, but he stayed with Hecate for now the dark goddess associated with the underworld and witchcraft, but also with deep feminine wisdom and intuition, such as with the crone, 
that old bearded woman who appeared in Vern's dream. In myth, she is also the goddess of the crossroads. Vern knew the unconscious was letting him know the archetype Hecate was among him. Vern was wanting to eat a nice breakfast with her within the dream, but by walking her dogs, she was informing Vern there was work to do, as the dogs had to go do their business. A play on words is not uncommon use by the unconscious within dreams. Vern thanked the triple goddess for her presence within. Figures such as Hecate are archetypes of the collective unconscious, but may cross into the personal unconscious for the change in which they seek to bring. They are bringers of psychological and spiritual guidance and transformation. And when an archetype appears within dreams or other ways, it reveals that its qualities or traits are within the dreamer. If qualities are misused, however, myths about the evil side of the dark gods or goddesses, such as wrath, sorcery, and witchcraft, make themselves known. As Vern was catching on to the dream imagery, he reflected on the previous dream of the three large women quarreling. Vern saw intriguing personal meaning. This dream displays something which was going on within Vern's internal structure, as well as his life, which he was unconscious of. Vern was somewhat contaminating two archetypes within him, the symbolic mother with the anima. Vern was treasuring the unconscious for the beauty in which she is, but the maiden, that is man's anima, Vern's own soul in this case, was quarreling with the mother in the dream. Vern was needing to realize that although the archetypal mother is always there in her supportive ways, it is the soul, the maiden, who manages to move forward within life, and likewise with women in their animus. Nonetheless, the crone, the old intuitive wise woman, steps in and brings the quarrel to a halt. The crone is the deep intuitive feminine wisdom which lives deep within each of us, the one who brings harmony as indicated by the three women then sitting by the water, enjoying each other's company in a healthy manner. The unconscious knew Vern was presently more suited to integrate the dark feminine, as Vern has a soft spot for women in general. The path was unfolding in Vern's psyche as he integrated the understanding of the archetypal feminine. But now, it was time for him to return to the earlier dreams of the dark masculine. Vern dreamt this evening. I heard a voice say and ask of me, You know your femininity, but do you know your masculinity? When dreams become more direct versus symbolic, it is time for the dreamer to take them seriously. Vern smiled as his inner world informed him he knew his own femininity. But what of his masculinity? Vern knew the light component to his anima, and he was now integrating the dark side of her through less regimen and expectation and more spontaneity and untamed behavior, trusting his seriously deep intuition and allowing a new sexual dimension of himself to flow with the woman he was recently dating. Vern also knew the light side of his masculinity, but here was what was missing, the shadow, Vern's own dark side. He had the light and dark feminine comprising 50% of his personality and his conscious mind. He had the other 25% of the light side of his masculinity, 
But this, the dark side, was the 25% missing from the wholeness of Vern's personality. Vern then dreamt the following three dreams. I saw these sharp green leaves and flowers, and I was tracing their outline with my fingertip. Someone then said to me, a man with a calm demeanor who softly, gently, and peacefully runs his fingertips along the edges of a leaf or flower is capable of much death and destruction. The next. I was running around in circles to understand. I heard a voice say, Go into it. Eat of it raw. Make art with it. Live the new wine. The next. I heard a voice say, Relearn the definitions of good and evil. Just as Vern did in Afghanistan, he still often bent down to trace the outlines of flowers with his fingertips. It created a delightful sensation, and it reminded him of his grandfather, Jimmy, whose old words resounded within. The dream spoke truth about Vern, though. He is a man with a calm demeanor, but here the dream revealed he was also capable of much death and destruction. The unconscious needed Vern to acknowledge this, to accept this dark truth. But Vern again feared such an inner darkness and his capacity for death and destruction. But Vern chose to press on. He knew he had to. Vern spent the day in deep rumination, speaking the words aloud to let them sink in. I am capable of much death and destruction. Another dream Vern had, not so long ago, immediately came flooding forth into his conscious mind, and all the dream said was, Go back to Iraq and collect your belongings. Vern knew these belongings in Iraq were psychological possessions he must reacquire. Vern sat still with this thought and allowed his mind to be. And there, Vern found himself back in Iraq as a 19-year-old during his very first firefight in which he was a gunner in Frankenstein, manning an M2 50 caliber machine gun. Vern allowed the memory to play out. My squad was doing a patrol, and another squad nearby came under fire and mortar attack from insurgents inside, on top of, and around a three-story building. We were called in for support. As our squad approached, I saw two U.S. soldiers crouch behind a Humvee. Their vehicle was being shot, and they were empty on their own machine gun ammunition. The two men with their M4s and a handful of magazines remaining had dirt flying up all around them, from the AK-47 round impacts into the ground. I looked to the building from the possible direction of fire and saw muzzle flashes from a second-story window raining on the two soldiers. I sighted in and unleashed the roar of the M2. The muzzle flashes ceased. I scanned my area. Mortars were dropping all around, closer than comfort. But for some odd reason, I didn't care in the slightest. I was so oddly calm. I studied the area as I traversed the old manual turret 
I moved slow and scanned methodically. I saw a man appear within a third-story window. Muzzle flashes began and I simultaneously heard the rounds begin bouncing off Frankenstein and whiz by my head. I heard our team's interpreter scream out in the backseat of our Humvee. I looked down from the turret and I saw a bullet impact on the window directly next to our interpreter's head, but the round didn't pierce the up-armored glass. He was fine. I began traversing the old turret toward that third-story window. I watched the muzzle flashes begin again and watched as the dirt flew up all around the Humvee next to me. I was finally sighting in on the window, but the man had ducked out of sight. I sighted in and locked into the middle of the window waiting for him to reappear. All of a sudden, two other insurgents began to fire at my truck from another location. I traversed quickly and unleashed the rounds upon the two men. I looked back to the window, and I saw the muzzle flashes still lighting up. I traversed back, just as the man ducked again. I finally said, fuck this and sighted in and fired about a ten-round burst directly next to the window at head height. I then fired an eight-round burst horizontally at waist level. And then I fired another burst of about twelve rounds at low shin level, just in case the man had only fallen wounded. I looked at the lines of the bullet holes I had just fired into the mud and brick building. I was shocked. They were essentially three perfectly straight horizontal lines at head, waist, and shin height. No one ever appeared in that window again while I scanned the area, and the firefight began to slow to an end. As the firefight concluded so long ago now, the two American squads linked up in a nearby field. Members from the two squads ran to each other, hugging and shaking hands with smiles upon their faces. They were ecstatic. No U.S. casualties sustained, but an entire insurgency demolished. The men jumped up and down with one another. Vern then slowly walked back to his truck. He lit a cigarette and picked up one of the fired brass casings that had fallen down within Frankenstein. Vern, twisting and turning the casing in his fingers, inhaled the smoke deeply as he stared at the brass from all angles. Vern smiled among whispering words as he said to himself, Fuck, that was exhilarating. That was better than the best sex I've ever had. Vern's dark side, his very own shadow, fully alive in a moment of war. A calm and composed man in the face of threatening adversity is capable of much death and destruction. But this hurt Vern now. A tear began to roll from his right eye, and not a moment later, a tear from his left. Vern quietly said to himself amid the tears, I truly am capable of much death and destruction. Do not be alarmed. In this, your vitality for life resides. A voice had broken through in Vern's psyche. That same one, that same tone who long ago said to him of the vision of his bleeding wrist overlooking the river. This is not to be taken literally. 
Vern recognized the tone, the voice, and Vern whispered to himself, Whoa. Vern's mind flashed to a more recent time. Uncomfortable thoughts arose as he was walking around a large retail store. Vern looked around at one point within the store and noticed how many people were simply nonchalantly shopping without a care in the world. Vern felt the pistol concealed within his waistband, under his shirt. And Vern thought, <laughs> I could kill so many people right now. Vern shook his head as if coming out of a daydream and spoke within. Okay, let's not think stuff like that. The dark, innately born instinctive side of humanity was again entering his conscious field. Vern sat with this dark energy for days and nights. He thought of the criminal in the duffel bag and the question of whether he knew his own masculinity. Vern pondered criminals as the symbolic archetype they personify. They are those who go against law and conformity, and they do as they please in life. He saw the dream, telling him to relearn the definitions of good and evil. Vern now knew a grave difference exists between dark and evil. But he had to further understand. Vern focused on evil. He thought of cold-blooded murder, rape, and horrendous crimes against humanity. Vern focused on a murderer and imagined himself killing another being for no reason. Vern saw rape, and he envisioned himself rape a woman. Vern thought of the atrocities committed by the Nazis towards the Jews and imagined himself torturing another human being for no reason at all. Vern's head fell low as feelings erupted into emotion and he burst it forth with tears. Vern was not crying for the people who endure such things, nor was he crying for the guilt of even imagining such things. Rather, Vern cried for this innate darkness which existed in his own being. In a crushing realization, Vern knew that any evil another does or could do lives within each of us. All is one. Vern felt it within, that his masculinity contained more than just the light dimension, that everyone contains more than light only. Sitting on his bed, Vern cried out, Why? Why does such darkness have to exist within us? Why must it exist within this world? Vern's insides felt as if they were ripping apart. Why? Why do terror, fear, and evil have to exist? Vern was encountering a divided state within. But differentiation must occur before union can begin. As Vern drifted to sleep, mentally exhausted this evening, another dream presented itself. I was inside of a bar sitting down. At a table nearby, I see a dark-looking man that is essentially colorless. He is nothing but gray, and he has red, coal-like embers burning all over him. But he is in no pain. I walk up to the man and ask, How is it that you are like this, gray with these burning embers? He looks at me and calmly replies, I just am. Vern's dream here displays nothing but psychological truth. 
The shadow is from a territory of darkness. The shadow is simply the dark side of our personality, which lives within each. Each person's journey to confrontation with the shadow is unique. Some shadow qualities require awareness, so they do not come out unconsciously. But other shadow qualities need integration. In these days, in Vern's dreams, his shadow was dark, mysterious, angry, and aggressive. As he did with the anima, Vern needed to integrate these components of the dark masculine into his personality as part of his wholeness. But Vern was struggling with accepting anger, aggression, and destruction into his conscious life. Those who are raised in a strict religious household battle the greatest with the integration of the dark. But Vern was unable to see that such traits could have a positive purpose and outlet. Nonetheless, Vern focused on the reflection of war, knowing his shadow was alive then. Vern was beginning to see his dark side needed life, but felt conflicted about how to give this shadow such life in a modern world where only peace and light are preached. Vern's psyche still active, the work continued. There are other ways to catch one shadow, other than or in conjunction with dream work. When the shadow remains unconscious, another way to identify one's shadow is through catching one's projections onto others. We can only catch projections if we look outward from an inward view. Another way is to watch the reflections of outer events and how they bounce back within us. We do this by mindfulness and awareness to moods, emotions, conversations with others, and awareness to symbolic value hidden within daydreams we experience. Vern created a computer document to record projections, daydreams, and fantasies he could catch. He hoped this would not be a lifelong duty such as recording his nightly dreams, but for now, he tended to it. Vern's dreams dwindled as he labored with the new content day and night. He soon dreamt, however. I was having a conversation with Victor Frankel. He looked at me and said, You are your own darkness. Vern spent the day pondering this line, You are your own darkness. With tears and a crackling in the back of his throat, Vern repeated like a mantra, I am my own darkness. This night, two more dreams came to Vern. Vern recorded. A woman looked at me and said, The beast is just waiting back there to be known. The next. I saw Carl Jung. He looked at me and said, Defend yourself. Vern recorded the dreams and went about his morning routine, calm and composed. He knew it was nearly time the depth of his recent encounters would be revealed. Vern knew from experience to date, the appearance of beasts, demons, dragons, large aggressive snakes, and the similar within dreams are largely indicative of psychological complexes. Psychological complexes can be active within one's life yet we can simultaneously be unconscious of their existence. Complexes attack us and those around us until we fight and battle them. 
and that is to become conscious of them and the subsequent work which it entails. Vern now knew he must defend himself from the presence of a psychological beast, another devil within. But first, he must become conscious of the complex itself. I'd like to leave you with a quote today by Carl Jung. When one tries desperately to be good and wonderful and perfect, then all the more the shadow develops a definite will to be black and evil and destructive. People cannot see that they are always striving to be marvelous. The fact is, that if one tries beyond one's capacity to be perfect, the shadow descends into hell and becomes the devil. This is Paradigm Run. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Mark Barrios. As always, more to come.